0: Hi, I'm Jeff Miller. And I'm Anthony Navarro. And welcome to Talk Out Loud, where LGBTQIA people proudly share their stories. On this episode of Talk Out Loud, we're joined by the talented Michael D. Cohen from Nickelodeon's hit sitcoms, Henry Danger and Danger Force, where he plays the genius Schwa Schwartz. Michael shares how a degree in molecular biology gave him a different understanding of how everything works while pursuing his dreams at all costs. All the while, he was fully living authentically to get there. Let's hear Michael's story. Hello, everyone. We are so
1: excited to have with us Michael D. Cohen. Uh, you might know Michael from Nickelodeon's hit sitcoms, Henry Danger and Danger Force, playing Schwaz. and also Michael's done just some amazing work uh, with SAG-AFTRA, of uh, the Hollywood Conservatory, American Film Institute, uh, faculty lecturer for the University of Texas Austin and Hollywood. I want to say, Michael, I am so excited for you to be here with us,
2: and thank you for joining us today. I'm super, super excited to be here. Um, what's your name again? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> So I'll be playing the role of Jeff today, and uh, my lovely <laughs> sidekick will be <laughs> and <laughs> I'm over here. And you are very- <laughs> <laughs> I always uh, appreciate thanks, that. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super, super stoked to be here.
1: Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. Oh, Michael, wh- so, you know, LA is home for you now, I, I gather. Where, mm-hmm. where are you from originally?
2: Well, I'm Canadian. Uh, I was, uh, you know, Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Toronto, basically. I kind of center, west, east.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, like that's pretty everything but the East Coast there for Canada, pretty much, right?
2: So yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I lived in all those areas for a number of years. So, where, where was school for you at for, for college? Vancouver at uh, UBC University oh. of British Columbia, and then I did my masters in Toronto at, at U of T. I, just to give everyone a little background, what was for you did a bachelor's of science, right? Yeah, I you know did what <laughs> most actors do. I, I got a degree in molecular biology and. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a common background for, for us um, uh-huh. to understand these things. You kind of need it to analyze scripts, right? I mean, that's that's why I did it. No, I, I was, you know, I started off as a theater major um, at UBC. And after the first year, I switched into cell biology. And, and this was before there was a lot of online stuff for registration. And I had to go to the registrar's office and she looked at me like, wait, wait, what? You're going from theater to science? Wait, like she'd never seen that before. But I did. I really loved biology, and I loved studying the human body, and I'm very interested in the mind-body connection. And it Mm -hmm. actually is very relevant to acting, believe it or not. So I find that I'm so grateful that I had that education and and to have a science education is really amazing. It really gives you a different perspective on the world, different understanding of how things work. And and so I'm really grateful I did it.
1: There was definitely someone in your life at a young age that kind of instilled, uh, you know, a desire or or an interest in acting. Can we, can we talk about her a little bit?
2: (laughs) Carol Burnett. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm a crazy fan of hers. You know, everybody. I mean, look, I've never met anybody who said, "eh, Carol Burnett." I mean, everybody loves her, right? Loves her, and even young kids today that that get to see her work just fall in love with it. It's not. It's kind of timeless, even though a lot of the sketches are kind of dated, you know. But but the the comedy is timeless, and I just studied her and I studied the whole ensemble, and and it just it became part of my my viscera, you know, the the comedic viscera was was you know their timing their their sensibility it was it just spoke to me it felt like there was no barrier between me and that television it was just uh-huh. this connection and she describes having that connection in her book she describes it having that with Jimmy Stewart so i met her once and i said you're my jimmy stewart and she she understood what that meant it was is kind of a you know it was nice to be able to communicate that she you know so yeah i early on was very influenced by her and i was like 4 years old watching her show
1: wow mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting. I grew up in the 80s and I remember her show was being replayed and there was something you, even like walking maybe it was my grandparents' house or something like that. It really doesn't matter. But I remember walking into the room and realizing even as a kid looking up and being like there's something different happening here with this show that caught my attention. Yeah. Like that, that you know what you're talking about right there. Yeah. And it, just observing someone in their craft or in their gift or whatever you choose to call it just that flow. And I'm just curious. So, you know, that you had that realization that connection there. Why did you switch majors then? I'm just curious. What, what was there?
2: I, you know, I've never really understood it, to be honest. I think there was a number of factors. I think academically, I couldn't really justify to myself to get a theater degree at that time. Not that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with a theater degree. I mean, I teach, I've taught at a theater school in, you know, university, you know, theater school is very useful, but, mm-hmm. but I, uh, for myself, somehow it just didn't fit at the time, and my father had passed away that first year too. And I think that what was required of me to give to a program like that, I just didn't have. I, mm. I think I probably wanted to get a little more heady, so that might have been part of it. I mean, I was young, you know, was like you're, what, yeah. you're eighteen, nineteen years old, so I didn't really know how to cope with those those kinds of, uh, you know. I don't, challenges, but I think it was just a bunch of different things. And I think I also was genuinely passionate about biology. I also kind of wonder is, you know, because most people who know my story, they know that I, I transitioned like 20 years ago, you know, and of course, when I was in college, that was pre-transition. And I, I wasn't really aware of what was going on. In those days, we didn't have anybody in the media that could reflect what we are. Like it, it, it was this non-existent concept. So I think that I I kind of wonder if my passion for biology was somehow like if I could just understand my body, maybe I can control it. Like Mm. maybe there's some way in that you know, maybe I'll find the secret of what the hell's going on with me. You know, I I wonder subconsciously if that was kind of an aspect of it. But bottom line is, I was also really passionate about what I was learning. I loved it, and you know, someone, when I described what I loved so much about, they're like, oh, cause we are like an artsy in science. I'm like, what mm. do you mean? And it's like, there's storytelling. Like if you look at biochemistry and you look at like, people are much more aware of this stuff now because of COVID and how the body works and, and what it, what a vaccine means and what immunity means to some extent, you know, but the the story of the the molecules in our body, it's like a soap opera there's yeah. like resistance yeah. and then there's fighting and then there's people like the, the entities taking over and then there's receptors that let the gate open or gate close and things are getting kicked out of places i mean it's literally like days of our lives yeah. so <laughs> You know it's it's so it is there's storytelling in biochemistry that I just I found really cool.
0: so you you went through this whole process of you know switching and, and studying biology, but we all know that you eventually found acting. How did you transition back into the craft?
2: Well, I always knew that's what I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to be an actor. So when I finished, we call it university, in in Canada? We don't say college. College <laughs> college and university a college in Canada means those two year colleges, those community oh, right. colleges.
0: The starters. Right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what college means. And university means an academic degree. Anyway, when I finished that, I I was pretty confused for a while, but then I, I realized, no, I really wanna really wanna pursue it. And I I went I started working behind the scenes in production. I worked as a PA, mm-hmm. as an A D, as a researcher, all those kinds of things. And then got more into voice acting. And I think it was because, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable in my body yet to, to really go after acting in live action form. So I did everything around it.
1: Was Michael, was there, I'm just curious, like, you know, I like these coming of age years, and, and for, for everyone, it's different. And, you know, did you have a, a spiritual practice that was innate, that it was taught to you, you know, from your family that you used, or was there anything you would gather from other people that was just like, whether it was nature or science that, that kind of was your, I don't know, this is something that you kind of like looked into or used as kind of like,
2: um, almost like a, as a roadmap
1: for dealing with some things in life at all?
2: When I was young, no, but when I when I got older, for sure. Yeah. But as a kid, no. I mean, you know, I was raised Jewish, but that wasn't spiritual to me at the time. It okay. was kind of, you know, it was difficult. It was more didactic and, and oppressive. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. something that I um, I found resources in. I was, you know, I I did, I was part of this youth group that was like a Jewish youth group. And that gave me a lot of, that fed me a lot. I got to do a lot of theater with that. So that, that was really amazing. Mm -hmm. But no, I think, I think, you know, for me, spirituality really evolved as I got older, as I became an adult, young adult, and then moved on. And, you know, I started meditating and doing things like that, that connected me. And nature is super important to me. You know, I'm, I'm big into nature and camping and mountaineering and things like that. So that to me is very much- My temple.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's that's really beautiful. That's so. Just to give some people a little bit of background. So, you were born in Winnipeg, which is a smaller town, right? As far as
2: well, I mean, I guess so. I don't know. It's it's a city, definitely a city. I don't know how big it is.
1: So, I guess I'm where I'm trying to understand, not knowing, not being in Winnipeg, but like having a better idea for Vancouver being more of a you know a larger. Vancouver is more, yeah, yeah, right, coast city. So. Was it easy for you in, in all three of the cities that you live in, in Toronto, Winnipeg, and, uh, you know, in Vancouver to to have that reprieve to go into nature? Did you have to carve out time for that? Was it just naturally something that, that just occurred throughout the day or in your life, you know?
2: Well, in Vancouver, yeah, like I went to summer camp every year and that was oh, my, okay. you know, mm-hmm. that was big. Uh, we went on, you know, backpacking trips and things like that. And we were right by the ocean and it was just stunning. You know, Vancouver is just a beautiful beautiful city. So the, the ocean there, the mountains, the trees, you're just, you're immersed in nature when you're in Vancouver. Even if you're in the city, you're just looking at it constantly. You know, Winnipeg, I was younger, so no. But, and then, you know, Toronto is very metropolitan. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of great parks. It's a beautiful city. I mean, one of the best, I think it's gotten city planning awards over the years. It's, it's supposed to be one of the top cities in the world to live in. It's it's really a, a great as an urban center. It's fantastic, but not oh, a lot of hiking nice. and stuff there.
1: You know, after after college, what, what took place? University. Yeah, university. <laughs> university. My goodness. Thank you. Yeah. Thank I you, never thank you. went
2: to college. I went to university. Yeah, never went to college. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I never
1: went. My goodness. <laughs> um, thanks for... Thank you. Sorry. It's that would be a really
2: good. That, that would be one of those, like, koans, you know, where you'd go, how does someone... Get a get a degree, but not go to college. Oh my right. god! And then you sit there for on a mountaintop for forty Forever. years, and you contemplate yep. it until until a Canadian walks along and tells
0: you, "Yeah,
1: university." And the my dad's from Ohio, and they call it the Ohio State University, and you'd always the, be like. He's like Jeff. No, I went to do the, the. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, there's okay. only one. There's only <laughs> yeah, one. Right in in, America, in the United States, I guess. Yeah. So then, what, after university, what, where did you? Um, <laughs> did, you get, did you get into
2: science? Or what were you doing? <laughs> no, no, I, I went into I went into production, and then then I went into acting. You know, um, I got to a certain point where I was like, okay, I know I want to be an actor. I've known this since four years old. What am I doing? It's like yeah. now or never. And I kind of knew that as soon as I made that decision. I was going to face some difficult things and I did, you know, I was like, Oh, I guess I got to transition. But uh, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was a conscious decision, but yeah, I was always, I just, as right at all my jobs were pretty much, not all, but most of my jobs were working in production or, you know, something to do with the entertainment industry when I got out of college. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was, Michael, I was reading uh, at this point in your life, when before you transitioned, you were, like, nervous or not confident to be on screen. Do you think that your desire or will or passion to be an actor helped you in your transition process or helped move that along so that?
2: Oh, that wow. What an interesting question. Wow. That's a really good question. I mean, you know, the truth is, right before I transition, I mean, there's some, I guess there's some articles like, you gotta, when you read the media stuff, like, you really. <laughs> I mean, you've got to go to the source of like, the, yes. go to the interviews like that. This People listening. If you ever really yeah, yeah. want to know facts about, about something, go to the original article. Don't go to the articles that cannibalize the original article because it's like right. broken telephone. They get more and more inaccurate as, as they go on. So, you know, contrary to what's in the media, I did do quite a bit of acting on camera before I transitioned. Got it. So if you look hard, you'll see me in the pilot for Queers Folk. You know, like I was, oh. I did, I did a bunch of stuff, you know, I really, and I was in a bunch of commercials and I did, I did stuff and, you know, probably two or three years worth of credits. And I got, you know, in that time, quite a few credits, you know, and then I went to my agent and said, Hey, you know, I'm in a transition. And she's like, okay, when you're, when you're cooked, we'll move you over to the male roster, which was very progressive at the time given very that nobody so. knew anything about, about any of this. But to answer your question, I think that in a way it did. I think that for me, it was very important that I realize my dreams. It was very important to me that I pursue my dreams at all, like almost all costs. Like that was, it's like non-negotiable. I have to realize my dreams in my life. I have to pursue them. Otherwise life just isn't worth living to me. That's, that's how it felt. And so part and parcel with that is being authentic. And when you're authentic, you walk through a door, you 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 get the truth about something, you cannot go back out that door. Yeah. You just can't. It, it, it's like you, once you see something and know something, that's it, you see and know it. So I think that my desire to realize my dreams was a great motivation, a great, mm. you know, but I wasn't consciously aware of what I had suppressed at that time. I wasn't, co- I mean, I cognitively knew that I was a guy. I cognitively knew it. But I hadn't emotionally integrated. I just thought, well, okay, so what, you know? And, and there was no role model. There was no, yeah. there was no Chaz. There was no. There weren't even the only um, women role models were on on Jerry Springer at the time, you know. There was, there was, yeah. you know, and then, you know, there was Jorgensen way back, and but there was nobody of any profile yeah. uh, role models, men or women, at that time, and definitely no men. I didn't even know that it was possible for a man. To be born, yeah. Yeah. quote unquote, the cliche in the wrong body. So, yeah. So it was it was a big mystery. I'm sure that if this were today, and I was going through it, I would I would know this as a young child. I would I yeah. would have been a very aware of what was going on. Yeah. So anyway, yes, I think in some ways, yeah, it was, but it was it was more around me realizing my dreams. It was more about okay, wh- and then what that brought up was I need to be authentic. Yeah. I need to. You can't yeah. just partially realize your dreams. Yeah yeah right and,
1: and thanks for talking about all this michael because i think anyone can relate to everything you just said as far as mm. being authentic and then knowing like the truth that's inside of you and then being able then to live in that and whatever shape or way or form that is with whether it's passion life identity I- i'm wondering because you know i'm glad you actually brought up the queerest folk that you were on there because i i had read that you were on there and i really couldn't find because that show was such a thing like i remember like it was another show in my life. Like in growing up in Indiana, I was you know, in mm. college at the time. And I remember like, we had like a free weekend for showtime or something and it was on. Mm. And my parents were upstairs. My mom came down to get water and I was like quickly changing the channel. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, <laughs> these are gay people. And cause before like, really like the, maybe there was somebody on the real world, like Pedro, uh, who was in the real world on MTV. But before that, as a kid on, um there was this uh, British comedy series called, are you being served on PBS? And they had Mr. Jeffries who was like the, ambiguously like gay shop clerk right and there was always these double run like these inside jokes were made up they never actually said what he was but we all it was like the, the elephant in the room right and it, and the thing is he was very he was the effeminate gay man and and and, I, and i've learned to embrace like all my masculinity feminine but i was like i'm not that's not quite that's like if that's yeah. if that that's like it just didn't and i today like being able to see all the different I remember I, I had, my mom came to visit down in Fort Lauderdale when I was living down there years ago and after she and I were on good terms and we went to the gay beach and she got to meet bears for the first time. And she was like,
0: <laughs> you know, I, like and
1: she was like, she's like, they're gay? I was like, yeah, they're gay. <laughs> like, you know, but, but so just the whole thing though. So what I really wanted to, wanted to ask with, with all this is when you saw yourself on, on, on screen or on camera before you transitioned, what was, did that, did that click? Did something click about then changing the outsides as well as two or no?
2: No. No, I just thought it was normal to feel that uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it didn't, you know, again, there was no reference point for me. Like the way, and this is why, you know, when I teach acting, I I just, I'm so, I so press people to develop that sense of truth in themselves Mm. to find what feels authentic, what feels true. Do you feel, do you buy what you're doing right now? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, how do we expect to buy it? How do you expect us to buy it? It's when you, like, I had to discover that truth with no reference point. It had to come from the most pure, organic, visceral, primal body place yeah. of yeah. me knowing who I was. I had no words. It was like being in this, like, you know, amorphous galaxy of, you know, and then just hitting, luckily hitting on that vibration of truth and going, oh, that's who i am i'm a guy like you know now we we can we have that mirrored back for us yeah so you know in a way you know there's a part of me that's envious of kids today that they they can do this so young but a part of a, 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 the majority of me feels grateful for that process because i know what it's like to organically hit on truth yeah i know what it's like to find that within you when all forces around you want to press you away from that. So that was just so, like to know that I have an internal barometer that Mm -hmm. is like unmovable, non-negotiable around the truth. And everybody has that. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has that. We're just, you know, in my case, it was just more extreme that I had to find it. Mm -hmm. But we all have it. We all have it. So that's what I, uh, you know, that's what I appreciate about, you know what what I've been through, and and because it really helps me, I think, be a better acting coach for that reason.
0: I think you know that's a universal a truth for a lot of people in different parts of their life. You know, when you talk about trying to you know become or live your sort of authentic self, I know like for myself, coming out was kind of difficult, but it really wasn't a bigger transition. What was more difficult for me was. I remember like when I came out, I like looked at myself in the mirror and I said, okay, I'm choosing to live my life as a, you know, an openly gay man, but now I'm not going to get married. Now I'm not going to have kids. I don't need a good, I'm not going to have a good job. Like I, I all of a sudden put all of these restrictions on my life. And as my life began to, as I started growing up and living and, you know, evolving, it was like, wait a minute. I, mm-hmm. Yes, I can ha- like I, yes, I can follow my dream. Yes, I can start my own business. Yes, I can do you know and yes, I can get married. Thanks, Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you okay. know, think, you know, and continue to evolve, but it really you have to believe in yourself first and you have to sort of Figure out and get that strength within, because otherwise you're just not going to, you know, grow and evolve and flourish, you know, to be the person who you're meant to be. So I think you know what you're saying is there's a lot of truth in it in a lot of different ways for a lot of people.
2: It's universal. You know, we're all connected. Yeah. We're all humans. Yeah. You know, whether no matter what we're going through. And I'm so glad that you were able to to you know find that because some people. Does you know on some level just decide to believe their limiting beliefs, and you didn't, and, yeah, and that's and now you're here, you know, with with quadrillion billion followers on your podcast, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> fingers angry? crossed, it's that high. <laughs> you know, it's in, you know, r- sorry, Jeff, but really fast, you know, it's, I think, you know, a big contributing factor to it, though, is also having role models continue mm. to become more uh, existent in the media, on television and mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to, it's so important to be able to see yourself on screen or just in the world you know having that visibility and you know like you said earlier there were no role models for you to you know sort of understand like what was going on with yourself you know for myself i i have a gay uncle so i it was a little mm-hmm. bit different you know growing up i i knew that he was gay so that was what it was but i think you know the more you're able to see yourself in the world, it sort of changes it. And that's why, you know, we have this conversation here a lot. It's just, that's why it's really important to have representation well, in Hollywood, yeah. ha- you know, yeah. a- and in all sorts of media outlets and in the workplace, in the world, it's just important to have that representation.
2: It's it's so important. It's it's really about permission and possibility. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, it's yeah. I, I can see myself reflected back, then I have permission to be myself and yeah. then I can see what's possible for me. And that's why it's, it's so essential, so essential for kids. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping trans youth, you know, it's like, I want them to have what I didn't have. Yeah. You know, it's it's just, it's, it's just painful otherwise.
1: What is helpful for you to, to really get to that spot that, that, to get into that barometer that you talked about earlier, what gets you there? Um, Do you have a practice for that?
2: Yeah. And it's changed over the years. You know, nature is a big part of it. Nature has a way of getting you to the truth because you, I believe that nature has its own, has a vibration. And then when you're in it, you align with that vibration and it aligns you with your own truth. It's just, that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the, one of the functions of nature. It, it, it's an aligning vector, you know, an aligning force. So that's, that's something I think I've always gone to. And I used to really heavily rely on my intuition and gut. And in like my body, you know, how my body reacted. And then, you know, and that was, it's interesting how that's evolved because now I think I still use that, but because you know how you peel layers off, you know, and at the core is the biggest pain at the core is the central wound at the core. That's, that's the, that's the place that when you get closer to that, it becomes more difficult, Mm. you know? And so I feel like over the years, as I've peeled away stuff, now I'm getting closer to that core intuition can be, you know, your mind can play tricks on you. It's not, you know, it's sort of like, (laughs) I don't know what to believe anymore because it's a scarier place, you know, before when you're a little more distant from what's really scary, then it's like, okay, I can, you know, I can kind of be more grounded in a certain way. So now I really rely on um, certain practices, you know, meditation and yoga and the work of Byron Katie and Tara Brock and, and, and people like that, that, and, my body as well. Cause my body, I will, I know when I, when I, that un, that non-negotiable feeling of the truth, that's what I'm mm-hmm. always after. And so, you know, I know more when I'm lying and, and it's those like, you know, like I just know, I know this isn't <laughs> true. I know I'm living in bullshit and I, have, <laughs> I can't do anything about it right now. And I hate that. <laughs> I don't know. I was like groping in the dark, you know? And it's like, I, and that's, you know, a lot of the times, you know, that's, that, that could be the case, but that's just the part of the process. So I, I think that I'm at a point now where I can just sit in the not knowing, whereas before I don't Mm. think I could sit, do that. And sitting in the not knowing is I'm beginning to realize is as much a part of the truth as when you're actually sitting in the truth.
1: Yeah, Mm. That's a beautiful thing right there. And you know, with nature, I'm here and, in, in, you know, I said earlier in LA and, um, there's like a little, in our condo building, there's like a little shared garden space. And a couple of years ago when we moved here, I missed being on the farm in Michigan that I used to be on. And I was like, I'm going to take this front bed on as a, as a personal project, right? Instead of like, you know, having a landscaper do it. And we were always <laughs> going away with COVID and it got overgrown and it was like really choked out with leaves and all these beautiful plants. I was like, and so I had a couple hours earlier today and I was just like, I just went out there and I, I just started like weeding it and, and dusting off and some of the vines had grown over some of the original plants i assumed were gone but underneath all of those dead leaves there was mm-hmm. still this one little plant and, and these plants in la that i didn't grow up with in the midwest they're just kind of like these cool different things they're kind of like very amazonian to me but yeah i just i literally felt my clock or my energy or whatever the cells in my body like just reset to a different rhythm being out there mm. and you know and i was kind of in resentment when i got back in town a couple weeks ago being like oh you know like i put so much hard work into this and this is whatever and I was like, I'm so glad that I didn't like send a, like a pop off of like a message to the HOA and being like, da, 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 da. like I needed to be out there for yep. like that hour. And some the woman was like, It's so hot today. Why are you doing it today? I'm like, Because I have time today. I'm just so grateful yeah. I have time. And I really like. And I don't know where it comes from. Like that, that, just to knowing, like I don't know, like where these gardening things come from in my head. That, to be honest, like and trained to be a can gardener. You, can, or can you come to
2: my place, please? <laughs> okay, listen, it's <laughs> for hire. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that, good. yeah, but, but uh, I mean, if you yeah. if you plants.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd mean, i think I'd invite you to come down with me. You can pull up a chair, you know. And, um, <laughs> no,
2: but, no, but no. I want no. you to do the work at my place. No,
1: no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, no. But I'm saying I'll, I'll pull down a chair downstairs at your place and I'll, I'll meet you down there, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'll yeah. sit and watch. Yeah. Right. You, you I'll, can I'll do eat, commentary. You can do voiceover.
2: I'll eat bonbons. Yeah.
1: Bon, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so that's what people do when they're <laughs> watching people garden, <laughs> that's right? That's, that's right. the
1: thing. Yeah. But um, it, it definitely, it, it, it resets everything. There was a talk that... Uh, that you had with david milch mm. that's on your website that mm. um that really research do, wow you know honestly like the things you talk about hit a chord with me and so like you know you just you peel back the layers and just like find out more information and there was part of that conversation where you guys talk about art but part of the the conversation that really i wanted to just kind of point out was is that you talk about how so much of accomplishment in art comes not from the discovery of one's gift, but the acceptance of the gifts that we have. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, and then not all those gifts are welcome.
1: Um, Can you talk about that that, a little bit more?
2: Well, I mean, you know, that that talk with David Milch was pretty... I I was very humbled and proud to be able to speak with him because he's, you know, obviously prolific and gifted and a leader in many ways in terms of his creative output. But he was just so willing to go there. He was so willing to talk about these things and not a lot of people are. But, you know, what we consider to be our liabilities, I think, can, can actually be our gifts and mm. the, whatever we end up disowning owns us, mm. right? Not to sound too Oprah-esque, but that's, you know, that's, that's how it works Whatever we resist is in charge, and so when we can take the aspects of ourselves that we most hate, are most embarrassed by, have the most shame about, don't want anybody to know, that's the money maker yeah yeah that's where that's where our our life force lives, and it's it's people's greatest pain can be their greatest gift, yeah. You know, and and some and you're not, you know, it takes time to get there with, with, with things, you know, like, you know, that's why you see like moms who've been through some tragic event where they've lost a child to some disease or something, you know, and then what happens is they didn't anticipate it, but their life becomes about being in service to other people who are suffering in the same way. And that's how they make meaning you know, not everybody, but that's some people choose that route. And that's why I think that's why I want to help trans youth because of what I went through as a kid. And I don't want kids to suffer like that. I I just, it feels like I, I, it's almost like I have no choice. I have to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of like your greatest pain becomes your greatest gift because then you're able to contribute from that place. That becomes your way of being in service to humanity. So, you know, the, the degree to which we resist those things that caused us pain it will stop us from being living our full selves, you know, and, and that's the tragedy. We experience the tragedy and then the tragedy eats us up.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Instead
2: of we experience the tragedy and the tragedy then fuels us to move society right. forward, to move humanity I mean, forward.
1: And part, part of that fuel for you that's been beautiful that we've got to all benefit and witness from is the Trans Youth Acting Challenge that you started, was it in 2020?
2: Yeah, it was, we did it last year, yeah.
1: Um, can you talk um, we did about it last year, but day? we did
2: it earlier this year too. Like cool. it was, it bridged the two years. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the Trans Youth Acting Challenge is an initiative that I put together and, and invited Nickelodeon to be a partner in, and they um, gratefully accepted and and helped with this in a big way. So, and and the idea was to offer kids who have a passion for acting an opportunity to get some mentorship, some skills, some insights, some training, and, and you know, hopefully opportunities to audition for projects. And that's, that's kind of what's happened. It's turned into a, a bigger success than what I thought it would be, actually. It was a bit of an experiment, and it's turned out to be amazing. A lot of the kids have been booking a lot of stuff. Uh, we discovered some incredible talent Nickelodeon is very aware of some of those those kids and bringing them in for auditions, bringing them in, meaning, you know, self-tapes because it's still COVID, but also now we can do that. So a lot of them are just doing great, you know? And we had a webinar for everybody that submitted. We had a webinar with myself and the whole casting team at Nickelodeon and answered questions. And then there was uh, two masterclasses. So we picked the top like 15 submissions. I would say, I say the top, but I mean, there was a lot. We could we could say that there were more than fifteen top ones, but we picked the 15 ones that we felt we most could that could most benefit from the masterclass in terms of their their skill and their gifts and where they were at. And we did. I, I taught two masterclasses, two acting masterclasses to those mm-hmm. kids, and then you know we've been mentoring some of those kids as as uh, been going as well.
0: Um, I love you know what you've done with this program. I mean, I just think you know ties into a lot of what we've already been talking about. But one of the things that people may not know is that one of the one of the students that were in the program was on an episode of Danger Force, and uh, I just want to talk about that episode because I watched it the other night and I was completely blown away at how simplistic the episode was, but how powerful the message came through at how simple everything was. And do you you mind if we talk about that episode just a little bit?
2: Uh, I'd love to. Yeah. (laughs) I I have take great offense at talking about that episode in my work. You know,
0: I don't know. I just want to make sure it's okay with you. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. Anything's open. Anything. Anything. So
0: uh, there's two things that really stood out to me in that episode. So the first thing was when the student who was in the program, uh, their character came out as a trans as a trans kid and or trans yeah trans kid trans person trans
2: Boy. kid boy came out okay. as a boy who yeah yep.
0: and and the way that he explained himself how he made this transition was that he said i was born in the wrong body and i made the transition to be in the right body and the kids that the other kids that were in that scene were all like oh yeah okay that makes sense and it was like it was that simple. It was just such a simple explanation. All of the kids got it and then they moved on. And they never talked about that again. And I just thought that decision to make that that simple, where you could see like the light bulb went on in the in all of the other kids' head or the wheels clicked, or it just it made sense, which I thought was a smart way to do it. And also just for like all of the kids watching the show. To just understand, like, it's that simple. It's not that Mm -hmm. complicated. It's just that simple of a choice. And then the other thing that I thought was really fantastic was at the end, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the episode, the same student that was in your program, their character was the one who sort of, they they were the one who saved the day. They stopped the fight from happening. They stopped the the villain from hurting uh, the woman that they were after. And I thought what was interesting about that was they had no special superpowers it was mm-hmm. just them being themselves reacting in the moment and they were the ones who were the hero and i just thought that messaging was so powerful it's you know it it i felt like it jumped off the screen and it it spoke to me and i'm i'm guessing if it's speaking to me it's speaking to the kids who are watching you know the show mm-hmm.
2: oh thank you thank you you know the, the it was I was so careful about how we worded everything. And when we were trying to figure out how to, say, I don't know if we, we didn't actually say, I don't think he ever says I'm wrong body. He says something like, you know, you know, yeah, I just realized I'm a boy and, you know, cause that's yeah. who I am. You know, it, the idea is that they're identical twins and they couldn't figure out how they could be identical twins. And so they were like, how can you be identical twins? You're a boy and your sister's a girl. And they're like, well, okay, I transitioned because, you know, I'm a, and he, so he says that he never, if you notice, he never says I'm trans because I wanted right. to, because I don't say that. Right. I never say that. Right. And I wanted to give the space to other kids to, to use whatever language they want to use for themselves. Yeah. So he never uses that. And then another kid actually s- defines what transgender means. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, I wanted to give the, that, those words to the other kids. Um, but he just basically says, I'm a boy. Right. So, so that was important to me. I wanted, I wanted to be able to, to give that space to that character. And then I also wanted it to be that he saves the day, but he doesn't save the day because exactly he has special powers or anything, but he does have insight because of his trans experience that the other kids don't have. And that's how he saves the day. And that was really important to me too, that he doesn't, he's not just trans and that just happens to be, oh, let's do something politically correct and have a trans kid. You know, like that's, no, it actually has something to do with the story. His experience yeah. through transition is what gave him the knowledge to actually save the day. Yeah. yeah.
1: Michael, you, you, uh, you wrote that, you co-wrote that episode or? Mm-hmm, I co-wrote it, it with Andrew
2: Thomas, who's another one of our writers on Danger Force. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Was that the first you've been? You were on Henry Danger before. For, for, mm-hmm. Was that four or five years? And then Danger Force. Now, was that the first episode that you would written with them? Or,
2: yeah, that was the first re- episode I, I wrote. It was the second well, episode I directed, but it was the first episode.
1: Well done. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. and we're going to have links on, on the website for for that to your website as well, and all that good stuff, so that we, people can experience that. And, and it's interesting, you know, it was somebody obviously from the from the program that you created, but that it was also twins, you know, a, a brother and a sister.
2: It was um, it, you know, in Yiddish they say beshert, you know, uh-uh. meant to be. It's it was beshert. It was it was just a gift from the gods. It was synchronicity. It was, you know. So so Sasha, Sasha Cohen, not Sasha Baron Cohen, but Sasha Cohen <laughs> and his sister Natalie Cohen. So Nat, Nat, you know, so so they were born identical twins, assigned female at birth. So Sasha, you know, submitted a tape in, you know, loved his tape, put him in the master class, you know, it was great. And then we were, and I knew, I didn't tell anybody this, I didn't tell the kids or anybody in the Trans Youth Acting Challenge that we had this episode in the pipe, but I knew we did. And I, my intention was to cast it from the Trans Youth Acting Challenge. So then we, we, we started asking kids to audition. And we find out, I find out that Sasha has an identical twin sister who happens to be able to act. And not just be able to act, be able to act very, very well. Uh, so they were, it was just like, to me, such an obvious, obvious choice, you know, they were on the East coast and we just flew them in like, okay, you're doing this, you know, and they were, they were delighted, of course. So it was a really great experience to watch them grow through the process, but they were such professionals. They were so good. I was so proud of them. And I was so glad to be able to give them this as a, it was their first, first TV credit, first major professional credit.
1: Wow. We talked about earlier about, you know, specifically to his experience in in the actual um, episode that he was able, because of his lived experience to provide, you know, mm-hmm. just to, to, to save a life really not to give away too much, but I, I really, I've seen time and time again when we fully accept our truths like what what the gifts or whatever, the, the thing that wants to come out of who we are, our being, that I think that's why it's so important that for, for all of us to be able to come together, because I feel like that, Whatever, universe source, put a little bit of the answer to the riddle of life in each one of us. And that when hmm. we all come together, just these these moments that you said, my Yiddish is just horrible. So I'm not going to attempt to, to this, yeah, no, no, I'm not even going to try. Sorry. but um,
2: Oh, just do it. I want to hear uh, it make fun of you. Come on. <laughs> on.
1: <laughs> we'll give you the ball. Bashem? No. Bashem? The yeah, shared? exactly. The sharing. Yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That, that, that is the, those, those moments that I've witnessed time and time again, when, when someone uh, chooses to, to fully embrace who they are and we, and we all get the, and, and then we all benefit from that yeah. as a society. For sure. That has been such a beautiful experience with what you've created. And I think it's important just to mention that, you know, in 2019 that you, you publicly came out in a time magazine article. Is, was that really as far as I'm sure your friends and family, actually I should never assume anything, but that moment then opened the door for all these, I mean, moment after moment after moment, of these decisions you continue to make have led to where you are today. Is there a gratitude that you can talk about with, with, with where you're at today with that?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, look, if, if I were to do that article today, people would be like, yeah, so. Right. I mean, right. it's amazing how far we've come in, what, two years? Yeah, you know, at the time it was like, okay, we'll do an article in Time Magazine. I mean, I don't know today if they would do that. Be like, okay, you and like whatever Elliot Page's already done it. What do we care? Like, it's like (laughs) it's like no, I hate to say it, but that's kind of the attitude in a way. It's like it's just it's it's being normalized to a certain extent, which is I think in some ways good. I mean, there's a lot of good good thing good things in that, but at the time. I mean, I had, I'd been writing this solo show about my transition for years and years and years. And I finally did a public reading of it, a a, a staged reading of it in 2018. And that's when I invited my coworkers from Henry Danger and Nickelodeon. They didn't know anything about my history. A couple of them did, but most didn't. And so they're like, wow. And it was, it was a risk for me to do that. But I really was at that point was like, I I know these people. I, I trust that they see me as I am. And, you know, it's 2018. Hopefully they've you know, they're and they were amazing. they were incredibly supportive, and there's like you know twenty or so of them just came out and saw the show. So mm. um, I did that in 2018, and I was gonna put the show up and thinking, well, I'm just gonna publicly disclose when I do my show because I it, it didn't. It's just weird to just disclose for no reason. Like I was right. like, I don't. Why would I do that? Like it just seems it seemed like I needed like there had to be a context for it, and it was never the right. Didn't seem like the right time ever. I was always willing to. It just didn't seem like the right time but then what happened was you know the whole trump thing happened and i was like i can't keep my mouth shut anymore i can't sit here and watch what's going on and 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 just be quiet it was it felt like i was i was trying to keep the lid on some sort of volcano underneath me it was so yeah. uncomfortable and i just it was like, I have to be able to speak freely about my experience. I have to be able to speak freely. And even when I'm teaching, I and mean, I'd be teaching like, you know, at the time when we were doing in-person classes at sag after and there'd be like, you know, in the big room and there'd be like, you know, 120 people in there. And I'd be like wanting to use an example for my life and I'd have to censor because nobody knew. I couldn't, wasn't going to like disclose. It would have been so weird. It, it would have been like, you know, suddenly the room would go quiet. It was still back when people reacted that way to this kind of stuff. So it was it was just it was like I gotta, I have to do this. So, you know, I worked with Glad and they were they helped with with it and I, you know, got set up with Time Time magazine. And I don't see it as a coming out. I see it as a public disclosure. My coming out happened 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never stealth. I was never, you know, just keeping a secret. I, you know, shared my information among anybody that that knew me pretty decently well, I guess, you know, and when it, uh, in terms of my social life or, you know, and, and if it came, I, I auditioned for some roles for trans characters and stuff like that. It wasn't secretive. But I, so I, I don't see it as a coming out. I see it as a public disclosure. Uh, hmm.
1: Yeah. That and
2: because uh, coming out has a whole other thing to it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, I'm going to share with the world my truth. Well, the world has known my truth for 20 years. I'm a man. That's the truth. That's right. my true identity. Now I've just disclosed my history, so it's mm. different. It's just a different thing. People, it's easy to get that mixed up.
1: With your show that you referenced earlier, there's a a clip on your website where you can watch some of the some of the reading on that, and the material is so uh, compelling and inspiring at the same time, and also just the humanity in it. The title is it's Four Four Cubits. Is
2: that yeah, the working title is Four Cubits Make a Man. Four cubits. It's from from man. the Leonardo da Vinci uh, Vesuvius Man. Vitruvian, uh, yes, man. I mean, man. <laughs> Vitruvian man, not Vesuvius man,
1: Vitruvian man. But anyone who like, remember the, when the Da Vinci Code came out years ago and that was yeah. really hyped up that, that, yeah. that cover of Da Vinci yeah.
2: there.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Have, so, you know, COVID happened and um, is that something that maybe with theater starting to open back up? that At may, some point. May, yeah. yeah. I mean, we,
2: it was, it was slated. We were going to do it at the Skylight Theater. We had a full production, I had a producer, I had a director. We were actually starting rehearsals. Uh, we were supposed to open May something, May 20th. I can't remember last year. And then COVID hit, and it was like, wah, wah. Wow, wow. Um, yeah. but I, t- I thought, you know, I totally believe, I, I totally believe in a uh, Um, I do <laughs> believe that things happen the way they're supposed to happen, and that this will happen at a different time, a different place. But in the meantime, you know, I got to do other things. I got to yeah. do the trans youth acting challenge, and I yeah. got to like doing this podcast you know mm-hmm. this would never be happening if i had right. you know so i i i guess it, yeah so there's other things that i get to get to do but I, yes yeah. i do plan on doing that that play Wonderful. at some point
1: yeah uh well i just want to personally just uh give you i know when the time is right it'll happen but just give you encouragement when the time is right to definitely do it because uh it is just the little bit that i got we got to peek in the window of, it was just very amazing so thank you uh, thank you yeah, yeah. You're, you're welcome well deserved you know, this has been such a really great conversation, Michael. You talked about, you know, like service earlier. I'd like to just, you know, your philosophy about teaching and what you've been able to give back to other people. Besides, you know, you've, been, you've also done stuff with before the trans youth non-binary acting group that you've been involved with. You've been doing other stuff with SAG for for, for years as well too. Mm-hmm. And and what I found about when with diving into some of your your philosophy is it, there was such a spirituality to it that th- there's this word creative that we use or acting or, you know, like the, or I, maybe I'm a creative. And when I started really kind of accepting like myself, like 10 years ago and understanding that when I get out of bed, that I'm creating something, all of us, like the vibration you talked about, like I'm putting a vibration out into the world that then on um, whether I'm, you know, like saying hi to people and being friendly and then how that comes back to me so when I was reading this, you're talking about how, for actors and, and how they create and, and the truth and, and understanding like, oh, if I'm thinking about like money that's due or this or that when I'm trying to play this role with the director and I'm not actually then tapping into the actual art of it, the craft of it itself, then you wonder why it doesn't deliver. And I can think about that like in my daily life, like, you know, mm-hmm. where, depending upon my spiritual condition, like what I'm tapped into, if its surface or there's depth to it. What what has it been, like, what is the joy? I know when you you step on stage that you feel something, but also what's this feeling when you get to now teach other people?
2: Mm. I I love teaching. I don't know that I could just act or just teach. I have to do both. My master's is in adult education, which is, you know, of course, what most actors do too as well, just like their cell biology degree. It's very normal. (laughs) 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 I um, <laughs> noted. Yeah. If you want to be an actor, this is what you got to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've always been interested in the process of learning on a transformative level, Trans, mm. you know, transformative learning, like not just like pedagogical learning, not rote learning, but learning that changes yourselves, learning that when you step into something and you step out, you have transformed, you're a different person. Mm. And that's super super interesting to me. I'm interesting. I'm 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 just really fascinated by, you know, illusion versus reality. You know, like we are in these bodies. We are covered in skin. We have bones that keep us together, and how much meaning people put on that presentation and how that defines who you are, Hmm. and how it can be like I'm actually, believe it or not, six foot three. Okay, so. People keep mistaking me for five feet tall, and uh, you know, it's it's like I, you know, who you are on the inside is just not the physicality. But you use this is a tool, this is an instrument, this physicality that we're given. It's a box that we inhabit that is a tool for expression, and that's why I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm going a little off course here, but when the physicality that you inhabit doesn't reflect your truth in a way that is so substantial and essential, like gender, right? It it becomes such a burden for expression. It's so hard to, you know, you know, I'm a man. I don't, you know, I'm not being perceived as a man. It is, it is, I, I can't even begin to communicate the amount of frustration that that, that that created for me about being able to express myself authentically. Right. So given that, you know, I know that we can present ourselves physically in a way that is radically different from who we are. That's mm-hmm. what that that taught me. That whole experience taught me. So, and we all have that to some degree. Things that we don't like about our bodies, or you know, or th- things that change. And as you age, that's a whole other transition, right? Mm-hmm. So, what was the question?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that you know what you could you couldn't either just act nor just teach. You need both.
2: Oh, right. Okay so it was about teaching uh, thank you so i'm really i'm really interested in getting people to get into that flexibility inside of who they are and what they can express because it transcends their physicality mm-hmm. and the irony and paradox of it is that casting starts with the physicality quite often ask any casting yeah. director it's like are they right for the part in terms of just the headshot? Like, you know, can this, can this body tell this story? Yeah. That's like 75% of it. Can that body, like, I am not going to come, I'm, they're not going to call me in for, for playing Magic Johnson in a biopic. They just aren't, right? If they only realized how versatile I was, but no, you know, but they're I mean. not going, they're not, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> but, but they're not, it's not appropriate. It's just not appropriate for so many yeah. reasons. But are there aspects of Magic Johnson that I feel like I could resonate with, that I could connect mm. with, that I can – absolutely. So, so we, we can't let our physicality limit right, our performance and, and where we can go with a character. And when, people, when, when students talk to me about branding, I want to slap them because mm. I feel like saying branding is none of your business. Your brand is to be your authentic self, to be as authentically you as you possibly can be. And within that, get become friends with all of your disowned aspects of yourself so that your range is infinitely wide. Wow. Mm. That's, that's your amazing. that's your freaking brand. Everyone needs to hear
1: this.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, that and, and stop trying to get in everybody else's business about my brand. Well, I play middle-aged mothers. I'm like, no, you don't. No. You know it's it's so limiting so limiting and um so that's part of my philosophy is to help people reclaim the parts of themselves that they don't want to depict in characters and and to embrace those aspects and to find the physicality within and to to really just expand into all of who they are and it's and what's so exciting about that is that it is infinite and limitless there is no end to that discovery there's no end to it
1: it's like getting on that so i mean to me when i when i've had that experience it's like you just get on that surfboard and the waves just keep coming and there's and there's mm-hmm. like oh that was a good wave but there's another one coming yeah. you know it's just the limitlessness of it it's such a oh wonderful feeling
2: to 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 Um, surf yourself you know to to be able to surf your own waves to to ride those waves that come from inside um it it takes practice it takes practice it does it takes takes study but that
1: feeling when you get it's i've almost said to somebody before it's like i almost feel like i'm a christmas tree and every branch has been lit up you know when Mm -hmm. i get to connect into that when i get to be that luminous, it's just like Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're, li- when you're living your truth, when you're yeah. where you're supposed to be and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, like everything, it's just, it just keeps coming and, and it keeps and, going and you're not worried about what's coming next or where the next paycheck is coming from or where the next uh job is coming from, or you, you just, you're, you're it's floating, you're vibing. Yeah. yeah. When you're, you're just conne- vibing.
2: When, yes. When you're connected to that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we, we, can't have the expectation that we should feel like that 24 seven.
0: Yeah, we can't,
2: it's a process. It's an ebb and flow. It's like the stock yeah. market kind of goes up and mm-hmm. does these jaggedy, yeah. you know, but it's always on the way up. It's just has dips <laughs> and then it goes up again. You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. what, that's what our relationship with ourselves are like, you know, it's like, um, it's just
1: that's the process but but by you being the work that you've done in the relationship with yourself has then in turn given you the gift of being able to then help other people in the relationship with work you're doing today is is what i'm hearing i'm not sure if it feels that way to you but
2: um i think so it certainly helps me to be able to contextualize it when i teach you know i'm i'm learning as i'm teaching like i've become a way better actor since I started teaching because I have to articulate. Mm. I've come to understand and accept myself more because I get to have the gift of other people showing up, you know, my students showing up and, and, and working through their, their blocks in acting or, or moving forward in their acting. And they're teaching me as they do that. It's, I, I, really see teaching as a, a sacred Role—it's—it's it's not something to be taken lightly. It's to have someone entrust their creativity, vulnerability is a very serious and sacred thing. And I don't mean to yeah. get overly precious in the sense. I mean I'm being very sincere. It's—I have been in classes where the te- you know, I've been in. The, everybody who's been an actor for any period of time is going to encounter abusive teachers. That used yeah. to be the way that they thought teaching acting needed to be—to break you down in order to build you up. I don't believe that. I don't think you get the best out mm. of people And that. Certainly, I don't like being treated that way in acting classes. I don't think there's a place for abuse anywhere. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I, I don't feel like it feels good for the instructor either. Honestly, you know.
2: No, and they're they're not coming from. I, I think that when an instructor does that, I honestly don't think that they're feeling okay about themselves. I think it's coming right. from a. I think it comes from a place of ego. If yeah. I if a teacher stands there and they think they know more about me than I do. You know it just runs runs run run out of the room if you encounter a teacher like that. you, you want it's there's a difference between having confidence and insight and sharing respectfully than you know trying to break you down and own you and mold you and shape yeah. you. And so I, I think that that's you know that's important and that's that that's the way of the future for acting teaching, I believe is is to be a guide, a respectful, mm-hmm empathic guide as opposed to a tyrant (laughs) you know yeah Um,
1: yeah i want to ask a question i didn't ask earlier and that is the experience you had with the parents as well with with what you've done with the trans and non binary youth acting teaching that you're doing that is also a very special experience for trust with that parent as well too with allowing that relationship with the child and i and i'm just curious what was that like going into this
2: i love. Talking to the parents of of kids who are dealing with um, any kind of gender identity issues, I, I love to, I love speaking with them because you know, sometimes they're they're still struggling, but essentially, well, what they're doing is they just like, "I love my child, I want to do what's best for them." Mm-hmm. And to allow their child to be their authentic self and to hold their child as able. Mm -hmm. you know the 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 thing that parents and you probably heard this from you know parents your parents are like oh well you know it's it's we love you we don't you know it's great that you're gay we just want you to have a good life and we're scared about what that that i that identity in the world will do to you or do you know what people how people will treat you that's the common refrain from parents you know it's like how hard a life my child's gonna have and it's just interesting to see how parents deal with that and, and, you know, having empathy for that concern and at the same time to see them rise above it. Cause ultimately what they know is that this is their child's path and get out of the way and just support, you know, and that it's, it's really when they're concerned about their child's safety and all those things, I mean, it's legitimate. And sometimes it can be about them really, Uh, you know, Mm. it can be about the parent's, Safety, but and, and I don't and more more like, and I don't mean that in a narcissistic like accusing them of anything. at all I, parents are they're being incredibly. All the parents I met have been incredibly um, amazing with their kids. I mean that more like that's how we function. That's normal as a human being. That you know, like I have a dog. He's, he's like the light of my life, and I get so worried for his safety. And really, what I'm worried about is the pain I will feel if I lose him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about my fear of loss. That's what it's really about. I mean, of course I care for him. Of course I will, you know, and I can get into those moments where I'm empowered and I'm like, you know, I see us as separate yet connected and I'm going to, you know, but when I'm getting fearful, when I'm getting in that space of like, oh my God, what about this? What about that? I'm just worried about my own loss and grief. You know, (laughs) I don't want to feel that I didn't want him to live forever and outlive me. (laughs) You know, all those good, but it's like, you know, it's just, it's, it's that. And so it's hard for parents to balance that and go, okay, where am I being, where am I being truly supportive and where am I just worried about the loss that I might have with this? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so, it's so beautiful to watch them wrestle with those kinds of things and, and, it's just I, I have so much respect for, for the parents, for just creating, for many of these kids, I've, this is unfortunately not everybody, but for many of these kids, creating the support, having the medical resources, therapy resources, whatever they need, you know, fighting at the schools
1: you know it's oh, not easy th- thank you for thank you for speaking of that cuz you have a unique experience of that that I really appreciate you talking about that mm. you have a quote on your instagram at least currently right now you do climber of mountains real and imagined
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, that that hit real i was <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah some mountains we create <laughs>
1: yeah, have you been able to do any any good hikes with COVID? You've been able to take advantage of any of that any time? Yeah, off uh, yeah. Anywhere?
2: Luckily, I'm an I'm an avid rock climber, so I've I've been doing some of that. Uh, I mean, for a long time couldn't because you know you do need to have a partner, and that partner you, you're 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 not socially distanced the whole time. But yeah, I was able to do some and really enjoyed that, and I've been doing a lot of hiking, a lot, a lot of stuff out in nature, some backpacking just up in the mountains as much as I can be. Yeah. I love it. It's, Beautiful. it's like I said, it's my temple.
0: I love it. That's it's a good place yeah. to be. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Anthony's wishing he was in in California right now to get back up in the mountains. So. I yeah. do. Well, you've <laughs> yeah,
2: got, you've so. got pizza. So, you know,
0: <laughs> pizza and hot dogs. That's what we got, got here. You got pizza
2: and hot dogs. What do you need mountains yeah. for? Come on. Yeah. So, Next know, month. Yeah.
1: So. yeah. Oh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today it's been just so great to, to be with you and um, we're really excited to, to see what more continues to unfold in your life, thanks for sharing a little bit of, of that today with us.
2: Uh, thanks so much, it was great talking with you both.
1: Yeah,
0: thanks so much for being here
2: Yeah, my pleasure
0: We hope you enjoyed Michael's story and were inspired to develop a sense of truth in yourself and live a life defined by what feels authentic for links to everything discussed today, check out Michael's profile page on our website at www.talkoutloudlive.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk Out Loud. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, rate us, and share with a friend. You can also follow us on social media at Talk out Loud Live. To catch up on past episodes and learn more about our past guests, visit our website at www.talkoutloudlive.com. You can also get your official Talk Out Loud gear in our online store and browse our online bookstore curated with our guests' recommended books. Thanks again for listening. And remember, be true, be you, and to talk out loud.